We find in many sikhs of the Rebbe, when he speaks about Mashiach, as well as other topics, but especially in the game of Mashiach, that sometimes he goes back to knowledge the basics, the fundamentals. Like, of course, this is a story told about uh, was from banging somewhere out of Grand Heights with the Shiva Bachan. And uh, after the Fabangan, he wasn't in a matzav to uh, go home himself. So they didn't have cars. They hired a taxi and they put him into the taxi. <coughs> By the time uh, he gets the crown hides, and will probably wake up, you know. <coughs> so after a while, the taxi driver asks him, Sir Rabbi, where do you live? <laughs> so similar to what the Rebbe tells very often, <coughs> the story that is uh, in Jerusalem, and the policeman asked the Chosid, who was walking there and he was under the impression of the Fablengan and he was inspired and the Lahayim Islam so he wanted to answer the embassy he answered Bittl Idiot Bittl is going so similar to this story when the taxi driver asked him so Rabbi where do you live? He answered him, and who says I live? He called Michael. Michael, you're going with the premise. <laughs> I live somewhere. Nothing. Means he's going back to the fundamentals. Similarly, many times in the sikhs. And uh, I heard from uh, various people outside of the Babich, not necessarily that they uh, that they're biased in their view. I remember I was on Mekrishlichus once. I mean, visited a. Uh, here comes your connections. That's the community gate. I visited someone who oversaw all the nuclear bases on the west of the Mississippi. He had his own plane. He he lived in Oklahoma. He had his own plane, and he would go to inspect the status, the nuclear sites. These are the ballistic missiles, not not the bombs on the planes. He was an atomic scientist, and I'm sure he had uh, he had what to check. And uh, he prided himself that he's the only Jew in Oklahoma who learns a blood every day. He was yet from uh, from uh, Europe.
I think it was a survivor. Um, and of course, you know, Bachram come on Did you ever meet the Rebbe? He said, oh, I was by the Rebbe. The rabbi wanted to leave. And he was leaving the, the school, the children's school. So I went into the Rebbe and I asked the Rebbe if he should influence him, he should stay. I was by the Rebbe for hours. Um, he came from the city of Sigit. Sigit. <laughs> Not Seagate, but Sigit in Hungary. He said, actually, uh, I should be a Satman uh, Hosset. And in a way, I am. I have an affinity to them. But my knowledge of my work, I share only with the Rebbe. I share only with the Rebbe. Not, not the Sabbath. That's what he, he meant to say. That he, the Rebbe, he has an affinity to them because he comes from the same area. But to discuss these issues, to discuss these issues, he only discusses them with the Rebbe. Okay, enough is said about this. But the point I want to bring out is, says, uh, you guys understand, I'm not saying anymore about this subject. I told you what I, what, what I work on. I tell you where I work, not exactly the location. I fly around all over the West. Uh, case closed. But I would, what, what I do want to tell you is that I was by the Rebbe's opinion. And if there's any way to describe him, his gainness in Pashtus is, un- is uncomparable to anything else. His gainness, his genius, his simplicity. Some of the gone generally gain geniuses are an intricate an intricate shakuvatariya, uh, give and take, ashes, the roots, and this one can answer, this one remembers Makedas, this and that. His gainus is also is something which is incomparable to anyone, no one else compares to it. His gainus and pashtas. Rashi said it blew him away. Gainus and pashtas. And this wasn't only limited to Rashi. Rashi was the but by the Rebbe, you saw in very many sikhs that the quotes kasha, the question that no one is supposed to ask, the question that has been around for hundreds of years and no one thought about it. So very often, especially uh, in this sikh, 
um, the Rebbe deals with goes back to the basics. The Klotzkash. Sometimes he uh, I don't want to say the expression. Sometimes he uh, gets into the questions that others have and he brings forth their argument in order to answer it. So this is one for Bengen, Toshin David Mem. There were children here from camp covered couple and uh, the Rebbe addressed the children and having said behind and so on. And then the Rebbe said that we see that true daily Israel were involved with children. Daft with children. Not uh, didn't delegate the, the children to others, but they were involved with children, as we see from Meshulabain Nova the Mala the Medrash of Mesha Hayareya, Hayimasukanaka Mesha was a shepherd, they should test him with the flocks of Yisrael. And after the story that he ran over he ran after a little uh, kid, a little goat, um, and carried it back. The Abisha said, if you have so much compassion for the flocks of a man of flesh and blood, you're worthy of shepherding my people. Dovah Melech, the same matter says, Dovah Melech looked after the, he was also a shepherd. He looked after the, the flocks that who should get which portions of grass. He sent out first the young ones. They should have the soft grass. Then he sent out the old ones. They should have the medium. Then he sent out the bachurim. The strong, healthy, strong, uh, strong cattle. They can eat the hard grass. To have such compassion, such concern for Abhaman shows that that uh, and the Rebbe went on that that is why Meshrebeinu came to Pari and he told him Pari said you want to serve the Ebishter you want to go out to uh, that was the, the initial request to go serve the Ebishter. So Pari said, yeah, go ahead. Take the adults, those that understand what it means to serve the Ebishter, and go take them. They understand. And right away, Mesha said, no, no, no. The Bonainim Bibnisainim are sons and daughters. Binareinim Bibnisainim are old and are young. Everyone is gone. The concern for the young. And here the Rebbe, I won't say, but here he took on this case. And here is Bechlama Hira. When Pare starts telling the Jewish people how to serve the Ebishter, it's problems. He doesn't have your benefit in mind. He has option days. Take the young, take, take the, the young people, the, those of military age, they understand what it's all about. When he's not giving these aces for, for your benefit. So right away, Meshulabain just swept it away. No, no, no. 
don't tell me how to serve the Abish. You don't care about it. In fact, you, don't, you, you say you don't even recognize it. <laughs> From there, the Rebbe went. This also deals with another question. We find by Esau, Esau is considered a Jew and a Mumer, a heretical Jew. Not that he didn't accept, so he's not Jewish, but he's called uh, a Jew, but uh, a rebellious Jew. And uh, the Chazal tell us that what was Esau's uh, trick and his scheme, he would come to Yitzchak like the, as white as the driven snow. He came with the question, not how you give mice from barley or wheat or from grapes and pomegranates. Oh, that, that, that of course is uh, well known. How do you give mice from salt? He's a mahadr, a mahadr. Salt is put from mice. But he wanted to know. So the Rebbe asked, the Gemara, the Gemara says that the Parshas Neach, the Teda added eight letters. The Teda is very precise in words and letters, and connecting letters. From each letter, there's a nouns of halachas. So the Teda adds eight extra letters in order not to speak in a derogatory way about a behemoth meya. What does it say? The data says that that when Neach was told to take in the animals, he was told those that are not kosher, uh, that them you should take pears. Why? Why did the data circumvent the clear, direct language? Because the Tana wanted to teach us. Even the payment, even the payments made it. If you can say it in a nicer way, say it in a nicer way. Comes the question, last week's, uh, two weeks ago, Pasha, as well as Pasha Shemini. Pasha Shemini and Pasha A speaks about kosher and non-kosher animals. And over there, the Tana doesn't cut any, uh, cut any corners. This species is Tommy, this species is Tommy. So the question becomes if this is an issue in Parshaneach, how about another two Parshas where it speaks about all the, uh, uh, the uh, non kosher animals? The Tate is very clear. And the answer is in Parshaneach it's a story. It's a story what happened with Neach. So it, although it, it has a relevance, Tate is, Tate is, uh, is uh, Nitzchi, it's forever. However, it's in the form of a story of what happened then, so you, you, you can use, you speak cleaner language. When it comes to halacha, you have to be very, very direct and clear. And that's why in Pasha Surah, in Pasha Shmini, when the Taylor tells us <coughs> these are the animals that you can eat, 
Then it has to say, like this, you can learn Shatim, and then the Behedah, maybe it means this, that, this, is this is stomach. Clear. Something has to be clear. So the Rebbe asked, however, why does the Torah have to tell us about the Esau? And how he schemed and ate Masrin as a mellow. How do you give Masrin from salt? It's not a very big compliment. We know who Esau is. You have to go into the details of uh, how, how he tried to, to fool Yitzchak. And what Rebbe explained was that the story of how Esau uh, dealt with and how he tried to fool Yitzchak is very relevant to us because the Yitzchak works that way and a person has to learn that the Esau slash Esau there's a famous saying you think Esau was running around dressed up like a like a hunter with a rope and a, no and a silk gartel. He was with a gartel also. That's a famous Siddish saying from one of the rabbis. So when he comes with he's not coming to, to, to ask a question about was it murder or wasn't murder? Was it intentional, not intentional? I mean, then he's coming. So he's trying to fool and he's trying to make a facade, hide behind a facade of Frumkite. And then a person has to be very careful of it. Because the Yetzirah, when you come directly to a person and you tell a person to go do a, a sin, it's a, it's, a, it's a, you won't listen. What do you mean? You're not allowed to. It's negadras Hashem. It's against the table. But you find you hide behind a facade of rumkat. I can go into examples, but to say that the Yisrael is going to present to a person. Maybe you do this, overlook this, and overlook this, because for the Abishter's sake, for your sake, sometimes he says, now, learn now, learn, now learn. You have to come with the minion. Yeah, but it's so important to learn now. You'll catch up with the minion. You'll have an after the minion. But the Hemis Negeya is something which is, which is, more important, he'll try to... No, don't do this now. So this was Aesop's uh, scheme of trying to fool Yitzchak and Eich and hiding behind that, uh, that facade of Frumkai. And this is what someone has to be very careful about. For example, the Rebbe says... <laughs> We'll have to continue next week. But for example, when someone comes and says, and this bothered the Rebbe so much, that whenever, the, I can't say whenever, but the majority of times when the Rebbe spoke about Mashiach, this just burst out. It was so painful. 
we didn't have Mashiach for 2,000 years, we can wait another 2,000 years. How can someone say that? Never in history did a Jew express himself in such a way. And then the attitude becomes, the question becomes, and this is the question that the Rebbe is going to deal with here, and then people come and they say, the who said you have to think about Mashiach every day? Who said you have to believe in him every day? What's the mokir? Ani ma'imin. There are questions where that comes from. Bechlal, it's Yudgimulikrim and the Yudgimulikrim, where it comes from. Is there a saying that they that I wake Mashiach every day? Is there a hill that I have to wait for Mashiach every day? And the Rebbe said then that what is very bothersome is that a uh, Chabad can hear this question, who hears this question, although this has been spoken about more than hundreds of times, without exaggeration. Nevertheless, there are some who, although they stand by the Fabrengas, and when I speak the sikh as I say Makavis, the Rebbe says, I bring the sources, there are laws to answer where what what is the source that you have to believe in Mashiach every day. So this is what the Rebbe deals with in this Sikha. I thought we'll get a little bit further into it, but uh, we'll continue mission next week. Story, I just had a story. dessert. What did I say before about the? You said you had something about atomic bombs. You wanted to say atomic bombs. I didn't say anything. Nuclear bombs. No. So when it came up, it was connected to. Um, the Rebbe was speaking very strongly about about the the Balev line after the 67 war uh, they made a uh, they used a strategy of making a Balev line where all along the Sinai they had outposts and uh, with a few soldiers manning each one, and they had a plan just in case the Egyptians can come across or something. Um, the Rebbe was opposed it very, very strongly. And he said that in the military, you learn from past strategies, past battles, and you learn what are the pluses and what are the minuses, what are the problems, and what uh, he said, France used that used that strategy. After the First World War, they built a fortress. They built the whole line. It was called, they called it the Maginot Ligne, 
and Majnah, that was the name of the officer that uh, and whose name they gave it. The line, Majnah line, and there were certain places where it was like ten stories embedded un- underground and had weapons and what not. And the Rebbe says, I know, I was there. I saw it. I inspected it. And what happened? The Deutsche Yimachshom, the Germans Yimachshom, took it in one day. Why? A chain is as strong as the weakest link. The whole line was on the border of France. So they went into Belgium. From Belgium came from the side. And over there, there was no line. They circumvented it, they went around it, and boom, in one day, they took it. So what is worth such a uh, fortified line when at certain points it has weak links, and that's where you can uh, beat it.